0: This is Teaming with Ideas, the podcast that explores how people at work, work together. I'm Carlos veldez your host, and I spent decades working with teams, as well as researching, writing, and speaking about collaboration. Over the years, I've met some brilliant people, academics, business leaders, managers, consultants, who share my passion for collaboration. In Teaming with Ideas, I'll be speaking with these experts who will share their thoughts, experiences theories and practices so that you can put them to work to make your work life richer and more rewarding. Enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Teeming with Ideas, the podcast that's all about how people at work work together. I am Carlos Pena, your host and resident contrarian. I am joined today by a former Mars colleague who was a client of mine when I was an internal consultant at Mars. I'm going to let Arturo introduce himself to you, and then we're going to have some good conversation about teams and leading teams. So, Arturo, again, welcome.
1: Thank you, Carlos. It's good to be here with you. and Thank you for the invitation. Currently, I am the responsible for the rewards area, compensation benefits, and other things in the Americas for Mars. My career goes more time than I would like to admit, so (laughs) I started to work almost 30 years ago. And one of the biggest challenges has been always to work with people. So I started my career in finance. I worked for Price Wirehouse before the merge with Coopers. I worked for Anheuser-Busch, the Budweiser uh, Bud Light Beer Company. Uh, I had my own business, consulting business, which was a great experience for me. And I've been working for more for 13 years starting in finance, and then I changed to human resources in the area of works. So he has been a a great experience for me.
0: How long have you been in the rewards function at Mars? Eight years now. Eight Eight years, okay. I want to take you back to the first time either that you managed a team and things you learned about leading teams, or perhaps think back to a time when you were a team member. And you learned some lessons about either how to manage well or what not to do. Yeah, I started
1: managing teams long, long time ago when I was working for a price warehouse as consultant. And funny enough, you start leading teams, big teams, 15, 20 people teams at a very young age. So at that moment, maybe I was not realizing the relevance of working with people and working through people. But it was a great experience for me because I learned that in order to be successful, you need to trust in your team. So most of the work is done by your team. You are doing pretty, pretty little compared to what they do. So if you don't trust the result of the work of your team, it is, it's, it's not good. At some point, I was an individual contributor as well. And I think that's one of the biggest changes I have had going from individual contributor to a team leader, mainly because you lose control. So the big difference is individual contributors have control over the outcome of their work. And when you are a team leader, you pretty much have to trust on your uh, leadership skills, the direction you are giving to the team, the way you are supervising the team and letting the team know what needs to be done. And the outcome will be a consequence of that. So you will be successful if your team is successful. There is no way you can be successful without your team.
0: I'm going to key in on that word trust. Trust is a, is a variable from person to person. Some people are quick to trust and slow to mistrust. Others are slow to trust and quick to develop mistrust. If you break trust with some people, it's very hard to get back and others are more willing to forgive. Tell me a little about your trust profile, if we can call it that, and uh, maybe your evolution in terms of how you think about trust and fostering that.
1: Yeah, I have to admit, Carlos, that at the beginning, at a very young age, when I started leading teams, it was kind of wishful thinking. So understanding that Everybody has to do their work. Everybody will do the best they can, and the work will be done. Doesn't happen like that. Doesn't happen like that. And it was a hard learning for me, and I learned the situational leadership. So everybody has different profile. Everybody is in a different stage of their maturity curve. So as leader, the first thing I try to understand where my team is. Each one of the members of my team where they are in terms of their seniority, in terms of their standing alone, in terms of the supervision they will need. The effort I need to make with each one of them. So how independent they are working, can they deliver without supervision or even without asking is how I manage that. So that trust is built on understanding them and also to let them know what is the expectation I have from them. And to be clear, what is non-negotiable, what is not acceptable, and what is acceptable. For sure, when you are a leader, you want everything to be perfect. But that's not reality. But you have to learn what mistakes can be done and what mistakes cannot be done. So, for example, I divide my team or or the way I communicate with my team between attitude and aptitude.
0: Attitude and aptitude.
1: So, for somebody that has the right attitude, but not the right aptitude, I can work with them in the knowledge capability building. But somebody that has the attitude but doesn't have the attitude is more difficult because you are losing some
0: trust there. I have so many questions I want to ask you. None of us gets to where we are by the same path. We come to where we are through the great diversity of human experience. Early on, you were extending trust pretty readily.
1: That's a good point because the first part is... To understand that what I'm saying is not the same thing that the people is understanding. And when you are young, it's very difficult to know that since the beginning. So I can say what I want, I, I'm thinking I give in the right direction, the right vision, but the person in front of me is understanding something totally different. And why is that? Because my context, my background is different from the context and the background of that person. So I may be thinking from my knowledge, from my experience, from my uh, opportunities to learn, while the other person is understanding from their own opportunities, from their own context and their own background. So one of the things that I learned first the hard way is to confirm. To confirm that, that we are in the same page, to confirm that it is important, what is important for me is the same that is important for them. And let me put a very simple example. Delivering on time is very important for me. That is very important for them to deliver on time. Quality of work, of course, is important for everybody, but that doesn't mean that I will expect them to bring the quality of work as uh, the first time. I'm there to help them, to improve, and to coach them in a way that they can solve questions, they can improve their work, and finally, we can get to an outcome that is good for everybody. So I give the trust at the beginning, but I make sure that I've been understood and I am understanding what they are understanding.
0: It's a matter of communicating and understanding that communication is always two-way, right? What I have found in working with leaders and their teams is that stories are often the most powerful way to convey a concept to a team member. Can you think of a specific incident that taught you a lesson about this idea of what I say isn't always what they hear?
1: When I was responsible for fire of the audit for uh, when anheuser Bush bought Grupo Modelo Grupo in Mexico, there was many, many people in the team, different leaders in the team, so we we needed a lot of communication. And I had a very senior team in that assignment, so I trust them to, to do the right thing. And I was out for personal reason in a very critical day where we had to deliver a report. So I had to absent myself because I was uh, going with my wife to the hospital. So the person in charge that I left in charge called me and said, I have everything ready. Do you want to see it? Before I send it. And I say, "Uh, let me ask you some questions. Just clarifying questions and then I can tell you. So I started by phone asking some questions. Uh, Did you check this? Did you check that? Did you do that? So tell me about the, the overall message. And everything seems to be right. Everything seems to be perfect. But what I was intending, what I have in my mind, the report should be, was not totally different, but different from what he understood it should be. So he sent the report two days later, came with a lot of trouble because it was a report that was going to the stakeholders, the shareholders and, and everything. And unfortunately, I didn't have the time and I couldn't take the time. To make sure that I make myself clear in the message I wanted to do, I checked the technicalities, I checked everything in the checklist, and everything was perfect. But the wording of the message, I didn't check. So he put the best effort in putting the wording according to his understanding, but it was a different message I was sending. So it created a lot of noise, uh, our stakeholders. At the end, we could manage that, but that was a hard lesson to. If you have a specific, very personal touch that you want to put in something, make sure that you put that. Because not everything is technical. Not everything is two plus two is four. It is not always as easy as two plus two is four. And let me try to explain myself because what my direct report at the time did was correct. It was great. It was by the book. But since the beginning, I knew that I needed to send a specific message to stakeholders and I had everything on my head. My mistake was to think that my direct report was understanding the same thing that I hide my head. So what he did was correct, but I had some additional message or different message to send to the stakeholders. So my message was, if you have something that is personal to you and you want to bring some personality in, in what you are doing, It's not that you don't trust your direct reports. It's it's like cooking. You need to do it yourself in in that matter because it's your seasoning what is going to counter. So you have to recognize the capabilities of your team. You have to trust your team. And also you have to be aware of what you are asking from them. And if what you are asking from them is not fair to them in order to understand what you only have in your mind, help them to understand you in a way that is clear to them. Or do it yourself, which is that
0: specific. I'm always excited when we're talking about collaboration, and someone is willing to say, "You know what? Sometimes you just have to do it yourself." Because <laughs> yes, I think too often we try to make everything about the team, and clearly, from the story you've just told, it can't always be about involving the team. And I think your story was interesting too, in that it was fairly subtle. There was a certain tonality that only you could impart. You had to learn by doing. Let's go back to this thing about attitude. Let me reveal a little bias I have. Back when I first started consulting, I first came across competency. So a defined list of behaviors that was specific and clear about what behavior was effective and what was ineffective. I was excited because for so many years, what I'd heard from managers was, well, I just hire people with the right attitude, and that's what makes all the difference. In fact, you could listen to inspirational speakers, and they'll tell you what really matters is attitude, and I'm skeptical because I think you need more than attitude. You need aptitude to make the distinction need totally. early, right? Totally. What is the right attitude for someone who's going to be successful on a team you lead?
1: I think, and I agree with you, Carlos, that you need both. You need the aptitude to do the thing, know how to do, have the capabilities to do things. But also you have to have the right motivation. So let me change the attitude part by motivation. So if you are motivated to do what you are doing and this is what you want to do, you will do it right. Or you will try to do it right at least. When you don't have the motivation and this is difficult for you, it's not what you want to do, Maybe you will do it, maybe if you are very capable, you will do it right, but not at your maximum expression, not at your best. So for me, attitude is to identify the motivations each one of my team members have. I kind of trying to align those motivations to what we want to have as an outcome for the team. And many times I have learned that there is no way you can change other people's motivations to fit your motivations, to fill your, your your objectives. So sometimes you have to take tough choices around people that are very really capable but doesn't have the right motivation. Doesn't mean that at the beginning they, they, they don't have the right motivation and it's just forever because you can work on that. You can work in the right attitude. You can work in the right incentives for them and make somebody that is not motivated to do what you are asking them to do to some valuable member of the team. But sometimes it's just very personal that you cannot interfere with that. So it would depend on each one of them, the willingness to to move forward, to learn. In my experience, in order to have an effective team, we have to have both things. We have to have the attitude, the capabilities, and also we have to have the right motivation or the right attitude towards what we are trying to accomplish.
0: I think you're saying that attitude and motivation either overlap or are almost the same thing?
1: I would say yes. Why? Because your attitude, positive or negative, depends on what moves you to be there, what moves you to be doing what you are doing. So if you feel frustrated because you are not doing the work you want or you are not earning the money you want or you are not comfortable with the team, that motivation can affect your quality of work, your engagement, your teamwork. The perception other people have from you is that you have a bad attitude. People cannot work with you. As a leader, I have to identify if that is an issue. If that is an issue, if it can be solved and work on it, and also to define if it cannot be solved and make a decision around it.
0: Well, that's a talent decision you're making then, isn't it? Yes. Someone without an appropriate attitude, because right, wrong, it's difficult to call, but an attitude appropriate to the work that needs to be done, that's not right, then maybe you need to part ways with that individual.
1: Yeah, and let me put a very simple example. When I was working in finance, we received uh, an audit from the government. It was a transfer pricing audit from the government, and they requested crazy information, and we have a week to deliver. So it was something that going 10, 12 years back and find papers, documents, all that, so that would mean something around 18 hours work per day. So it was heavy. It was tough. So I joined the team. I talked to them. I say we have this challenge. This is something that we cannot let go. This is something that we have to deliver. I know it's crazy. I know it's very short time to, to deliver. But it is what it is. Uh, we don't have an option. The brightest person in my team said, I cannot do that. I have my personal life. I cannot sacrifice my life for for this. You are not paying me enough for this. So even being the brightest person in the team, usually working very well, when you push a little bit farther and uh, took him from the comfort zone, he was not able to deliver. So that's the attitude that sometimes doesn't help because it's not that this is permanent. This is not that we are working crazy hours every week, every day, every... It was a very specific period of time where I asked, this is what we have to do. And I'm sorry, but I, I don't have an option. So that kind of reaction sends you a message that you know who are committed to the cause and who are not committed to the cause. So it, okay. it, it's a very simple example, but it's a matter of attitude and, and motivation. Maybe his motivation wasn't there.
0: It seems to me that this conversation of attitude slash motivation connects to our trust in others. So that individual you just described, is it fair to say that from that point forward, you didn't feel the level of trust in that person to get the job done when the going might get tough?
1: Yeah, it's fair to say that because even though I knew he could do the work, he continued doing the work because life goes on. But I knew that other similar challenges would be very tough for him to take on. And uh, One of the situations is, is not that I, like, I I lose the trust on, on his work, but maybe wouldn't be the right person for similar challenges in the future. And that happened because other things came where I appointed other people to lead those other things. And I got a complaint, that, why not me? Because this is something that will require these extensive working hours, this extensive uh, leadership, this extensive. And you you told me that this is not in your pay grade.
0: So you, you did a workaround going to somebody else, and this person objected. How did they take it when you said, hey, not in your pay grade?
1: The difference is the first job was not sexy was not a, a very sexy job so it was
0: it wasn't sexy yeah it was going to the archives <laughs> okay.
1: and, and and looking for stuff that nobody knew so it was kind of a word that nobody wants and the other part which i assigned to other people is more sexy even though it was hard work and, and everything
0: wait are you telling me that there's work in finance that's sexy oh, of course <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not as sexy as marketing or sales or some other areas, but there are some good stuff in what you find. I've just learned something. Thank you, Arturo. Yes, it was funny
1: because this new project was a little bit more sexy. It was around governance and spreading the culture of governance among the company, making some advertisements, trainings, all that kind of stuff. Heavy work, many hours, but more visible than the other one.
0: When you talk about motivation, you're speaking to my heart because it's always been my belief and my firm conviction that successful teams are grounded in understanding individual motivation. That if we try to force people to be a good team, we will fail if we don't understand what motivates each of them. And you've spoken to that really brilliantly. So you've warmed my heart. I want to thank you for that. (laughs) What you found is the motivation had to do with visibility. This person clearly wanted to be in the eye of people they thought were important, I guess. Is that what we're talking about? Yeah, totally. I'm just dying to know, though, long-term, did they stay on your team and did they work out?
1: Yeah, he is standing on my team. and With my kids, I use this analogy where everything has a consequence. So I think he learned the consequence. Hmm of being able or being available only when he fits or when he he sees this as something that is good for him. So if we are a team, we need to take the good and the bad. We need to take the sexy and the non-so-sexy projects. And after he uh, reacted to work in this initial project that was not very visible and after the second break that was more visible, he wasn't appointed to do it, he learned that there is a balance, that there is a balance and things are, as a team, we need to work in pretty much everything and sometimes will be very nice, very visible for people. Some others will be back office, very dirty, not, not so sexy. So. Hmm. He stayed with me for, for, for the longer time until I moved to human resources. And he became my successor after that. So, really? Yeah. When I moved to my role in, in human resources in, in rewards, he took my position in, in as controller in,
0: in where I was. That speaks volumes about your capabilities as a leader. I mean, when you can take a story like that, someone who walked away from work and very... Boldly said, Not for me. Thank you very much. (laughs) And I think in doing so, turned their back on the team because obviously you had a week to turn this around and how an act like that could be viewed by other team members in a very negative way. And yet, this person you worked with, they stuck around and eventually they backfilled you. They took your role. I just think good for you for the patience, the ability to see the good that was there despite the problems you encountered. Well done. I'm really impressed. Thank you. Great story. The object of this podcast is to give our listeners examples of things they themselves could be doing, and that example of, hey, sometimes somebody's gonna let you down. And sometimes it's not even a matter of uh, capability,
1: it's a matter of not having the mind in the task at the moment, but that doesn't mean that in the future, that couldn't change.
0: People do change and they can grow. And if you're leading a team, Take Arturo's example. I think you showed patience there and a kind of wisdom, Arturo. I really do. I want our listeners to take that away just because a team member doesn't show up one day doesn't mean they might not be your successor in the future if you know how to help them grow.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: Arturo, thank you for thoughtful responses about teams and team leadership. I really value your having been with me today.
1: Thank you for inviting me, Carlos. I'm I'm happy to be here.
0: All right. To my listeners, we look forward to joining you all again in our next podcast. Take care. Hi, I'm Janet Aldrich, producer and director of Teaming with Ideas. Thanks for listening. And thank you, John Wallerich, for the music. If you found this podcast useful, please subscribe, review and share. Want more? Visit Carlos's blog, Teaming with Ideas, at carlosvdapena.com questions, click on the Contact Carlos button, and we'll answer promptly. To be interviewed on the Teeming with Ideas podcast, visit carlosvdepena.com forward slash podcast contact and complete the questionnaire. Thanks again for listening, and keep on Teeming with Ideas.